You are in the Ozarks, and it's after dark. And this is the After Dark Dispatch. You just go on and on. Yeah, we're lawless in cyberspace. As I can tell, there is no plan or pattern to the universe. It's just chaos. I'm sorry. Hello, and welcome to the After Dark Dispatch on Ozarks After Dark Radio, ozarksafterdark.com slash ADD. I will be your host, Ratchet. <clears throat> and we're just going to move right along here with... Uh, uh, a news article that is not actually news. Um, I doubt that it was actually news when it was published. Uh, but here's why some McDonald's restaurants are putting cameras in their dumpsters. We'll go ahead and play a little audio. Once somebody puts their used coffee cup or cardboard box in the recycling, they never think about the complexity and the infrastructure that it takes to remove that material. The United States has a recycling problem. Since China stopped buying millions of tons of American recycling in 2018. Yes, since China stopped buying millions of tons of American quote unquote recycling in 2018 a.k.a. shit to burn. The U.S. has struggled to come up with a long-term solution. The EPA says one of the biggest challenges is contamination. One of the other biggest challenges is recycling. The recycling process can break down if trash gets mixed in with recyclable material. If the material is contaminated and we're not able to reuse it, we have to send that material to landfills. This guy's fucking hilarious, by the way. He looks like a a big bird like a like a big gay bird like like one of those uh he's one of these guys that uh he looks like a, a an overgrown big kid like uh like that guy from uh, from the lonely island yeah it's sandberg andy sandberg to help combat the problem compology installs cameras in its clients dumpsters and uses artificial intelligence to detect contamination in real time because God knows real intelligence is not up to the task. If it does, the client gets an alert to remove it. How do you train an AI system to make sense of a literal pile of trash? A literal pile of trash. We use the most advanced machine learning techniques. Ah, yes. Advanced machine learning techniques. Called neural networks. Ah, yes neural networks we take pictures three to five times a day we track the fullness the type of material going inside it and when that container is serviced the in other words they have people doing all this shit more images that we get of the inside of dumpsters the more accurate we can be the company's clients include nordstrom capital one starbucks adt and mcdonald's our restaurant managers did did you get all those 
Did any did anybody miss any of those? Let's let's see. Let's see who just who we should be buying from. Who's saving our planet? The company's clients include Nordstrom, uh, Nordstrom, Capital One, Capital One, Starbucks, Starbucks, ADT, ADT, and McDonald's. And our McDonald's. restaurant managers receive a notification anytime we have an instance of a violation. So this technology really helps to educate our people in a very quick way. The cameras also detect how much waste goes in a trash or recycling bin. That helps ensure dump trucks only empty them when full, which in turn saves clients money on pickups. Our God knows you need to install cameras in every fucking trash can on the planet in order to accomplish this. There couldn't be any other way. Our initial blush has seen a 31% reduction in our waste spending. Fewer pickups also mean dump trucks spend less time driving, and that results in lower carbon emissions. Across the Las Vegas Valley, we've been able to reduce our carbon footprint by over 8,000 truck miles traveled. In that process, reducing CO2 emissions by 32 metric tons. I don't know if it's the way that this is cut or, or not. Um, but he made no fucking claim that this whole business of installing cameras and AI neural nets and all this bullshit uh, have anything to do with the stats he just threw out. Compology says it has 162,000 cameras snapping photos in dumpsters across the country, but it's still a small dent in the recycling industry's problems. Experts agree better consumer education is critical. It's really important to be able to understand what's going on inside your dumpster. It's really important to understand what's going on inside your dumpster. In order to improve your behaviors around recycling and reducing the amount of waste going to landfills. So there you go. Hard hitting shit right there. The way to carbon emissions is to install cameras everywhere in everything and have computers monitoring everything everywhere all the time 24 7 sure it is let's listen to a song this is silicon slave offended under a creative commons license which one i don't know i'll put a fucking link
So, Experian uh, has apparently been leaking the fuck out of all of our um, compiled credit data and uh, and their assessments of how creditworthy we are. Uh, Krebs on Security uh, reported on the 28th that uh, a weakness in a partner website, presumably more than one partner website, um, that let anyone look up the credit score of tens of millions of Americans just by supplying their name and mailing address. Uh, uh, They say they've plugged the data leak, but the researcher who reported the findings says he fears the same weakness may be present at countless other lending websites that work with a credit bureau. Um, Basically, the the guy was poking around uh, on uh, on a website looking for student loans, and he went to a lender's website that offered to check his loan eligibility uh, with his name, address, and date of birth. Uh, he looked at the code in the page and saw that it invoked the Experian API, um, which allows automated queries of, uh, of FICO credit scores from, from Experian. Uh, he says, no one should be able to perform an Experian credit check with only publicly available information. Yeah, no shit. Experience should mandate non-public information for promotional inquiries. Otherwise, an attacker who found a single vul- vulnerability in a vendor could easily abuse Experience system. And you better fucking bet they have. Uh, it's a fucking guarantee. This guy found it. Somebody else fucking found it. Somebody who was looking for it found it. So all that data somewhere uh, is dumped and logged uh, or dumped and saved whether it ever surfaces uh, for the rest of us or not. Um, uh, the guy found that the Experian API could be accessed directly without any sort of authentication and that entering all zeros in the date of birth field let him pull a person's credit score. He even built a handy command line tool to automate the lookups, which he dubbed Bill's Cool Credit Score Lookup Utility. <laughs> uh Krebs, uh, Krebs on security, it says, put that tool to the test, asking permission from a friend to have a, di- a dimmer copy look up their credit score. Uh, the friend agreed and said he would pull his score from Experian uh, at that point uh, that the, they hadn't even told him Experian was involved. Uh, the score he provided matched the score returned by Demarkey, di- Dimmer Copies Lookup Tool. I'm sure I'm butchering that name. It's D-E-M-I-R-K-A-P-I. So there you go. Uh, in addition to credit scores, the Experian API returns for each customer up to four risk factors, indicators that might help explain why a person's score is not higher. Uh, the example in, in this person's case, um, the tool said that the person's mid-700 score could be better if the proportion of balances to credit limits was lower and if he didn't owe so much on revolving credit accounts. Too many consumer finance company accounts, the API concluded about the guy's score. Holy shit, right? It, uh, it it's it's belching out your fucking credit score and then and then their own assessment of you on top of that like they're a, a little bit more of a uh a humanized um human interpretable sort of thing there. <sighs> None of this stuff is safe. It never was. It never will be. And that is on top of the fact that companies like Experian are just fucking shady assholes. Anyway, there are the shady assholes being sloppy shady assholes and uh, sharing all of the shit that they've compiled on all of us with whichever shady assholes are fucking smarter than them. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I love it. I love it. Let's listen to another song. This is Hypnagogue with Funk Diddle. Thank you. 
That's a fun track, too. Um, this one is probably going to be a bit long-winded. So, uh, oh, by the way, this is from the department. Mm -hmm. Yep, uh, I got uh, got a little email from reclaimthenet.org. Um, Google's private coronavirus tracking app wasn't so private after all. Surprise! Uh, and I'm not going to read their article because it's, uh, uh, it's a bit general. Um, but what we will go over is the, uh, the source material here, why Google should stop logging contact tracing data by Joel Reardon on April 27th. Earlier, we wrote about some attacks that can be done in GAEN-based contact tracing systems, which is the Google Apple exposure notification system that is used by many countries and regions worldwide to do digitally assisted contact tracing. Recently, we found that Google's implementation of GAEN logs crucial pieces of information to the system log, which can be read by hundreds of third-party apps and used for the privacy for the privacy attacks that we previously warned about. We'll start with a nutshell description of GAEN contact tracing, then show what data is logged, and finally explain why this logging is so concerning to us. Before we begin, 
we want to stress that the issues we highlight here are implementation errors in the system, not an inherent design flaw of distributed contact tracing. How GAEN works. In decentralized smartphone-assisted contact tracing, a person's smartphone records information about proximate encounters with other nearby phones. This data is then used to infer that the owners were also near one another. A trusted authority, e.g. a public health department, can then reveal which of these encounters involved a contagious person, and then a mobile app can perform a risk calculation to assess a user's risk of having been infected by COVID-19. The GAEN implementation in particular, uses random looking rolling proximity identifiers, or RPIs, that are broadcast through the Bluetooth radios in a user's phone and can be heard by other nearby Bluetooth-enabled phones. These RPIs periodically change every 15 minutes. Uh, well, I guess that wasn't, that's e.g. every 15 minutes, uh, so that a user cannot be tracked through the RPIs that they broadcast. That is, the same user will broadcast different RPIs over time. The set of RPIs that a user hears from nearby devices corresponds to the set of unique proximate encounters with other users. Some of these encounters put the user at risk of contagion. GAEN helps users identify the RPIs that are risky by having their devices retrieve all risky RPIs and then each user's device can assess offline whether their device was exposed to any of these risky RPIs. The fundamental privacy feature claimed by GAEN in contrast to centralized systems, is that the RPIs that a user's device sees over time never leave the device. That is, users learn from a health authority the set of RPIs that were broadcast by infectious people, but no one else learns who or if anyone ever heard these RPIs. The downloading of all risky RPIs is made efficient by using a temporary exposure key, or TEK, to, well, say tech to generate all the positive users' RPIs for the day, i.e. all the users' RPIs are not actually random, but instead derived from the tech. Thus, if you know the tech of a positive user, you can compute all the RPIs that would have been broadcast by their device. Health authorities publish lists of the risky techs, which allow, allows users, or indeed anyone, to link all the RPIs for an infected user. That is, when RPIs are linkable, you may not know who broadcasts two different ones, but you know that they both came from the same person. At least, that's how the privacy guarantees are supposed to work. What gets logged? In Android, GAEN's functionality is offered to certified health authorities by Google Mobile Services, or GMS, which according to Google's definition is a collection of Google applications and APIs that help support functionality across devices. Google's implementation of GAEN writes all RPIs, both those broadcast by the user's device and those observed from other users' devices, to the phone system log. For the RPIs that are received from other devices, GMS also logs the current Bluetooth MAC address for the sending device, of the sending device, rather. For privacy reasons, Android prevents apps from knowing their own MAC addresses, so it can only log the MAC addresses that are broadcast along with the RPIs from other devices. The next three figures show 1. Logging of a device's own RPI, 2. Logging of a heard RPI and MAC address, and 3. An illustration of two devices using GAEN and the logging that happens, and then there are some uh, illustrations. Since 2012, Android security controls prevent normal apps that users download from the Play Store from reading the system logs unless there's a side or covert channel. However, Google allows phone hardware manufacturers, network operators, and their commercial partners, e.g. advertising libraries, to pre-install privileged apps. One feature of these privileged apps is that they have access to additional permissions that are otherwise not afforded to third-party apps downloaded from the Play Store. One such permission is read underscore logs, which allows privileged apps to read the system logs. Are we seeing how this is going to become a problem? As a 2020 research study showed, these pre-installed apps are highly prevalent. A stock Xiaomi Redmi Note 9, for example, has 77, 70 fucking seven pre-installed apps that we identified, 54 of which have the read underscore logs permission. A Samsung Galaxy A11 was found to have 131 privileged apps, 89 of which had read underscore logs. What the fuck, people? 131. What the fuck? Perhaps it is worth mentioning 
that both Samsung's and Xiaomi's privacy policies explicitly mention collecting log data, with the latter explicitly mentioning system logs and application crash logs. We cite those two companies only as examples and not because we believe they are outliers. Below is what re the, Redmi bleh, the Redmi Note 9 looks like if a user tries to submit feedback. And then it says, uh, privacy policy, your feedback along with attachments, if any, and logs, you can uncheck the corresponding boxes for the items you don't want to upload, will be sent to MIUI's servers. Logs may contain personal info and your location data. Selecting your agree means that you've read and understand uh, read and agreed to our privacy policy and user agreement. Uh, this is not to pick on any on these or any OEMs. It is unlikely that they collect log data with the understanding that they are now receiving users' medical and other sensitive information as a result of Google's implementation. The key point is that one should simply not log sensitive data to the system log in the first place. If sensitive data is saved to the system log, one loses control over what happens to it because it is accessible to other entities. Indeed, Google's GAEN implementation should follow Android's own, ooh, own privacy security best practices, which state that logging data increases the risk of exposure to that data and that multiple public security incidents have occurred as a result of logging sensitive user data. Privacy risks. Now we want to describe the, pri the specific privacy risk for contact tracing app users that arise from this logging. There are risks even for Apple users and Android users who do not have any app that uploads their system logs, though there are greater risks for Android users who do have their logs uploaded by these third-party apps. As well, there are some attacks that become more powerful when combined with databases from other known types of data collection. Inferring COVID-19 status. An entity that reads one user's logs can learn the RPIs that that particular user broadcasts and the ones they hear. When combined with the positive text published by public health authorities, one can learn the user's health status, i.e. whether they have published their text on account of a positive diagnosis. Based on the RPIs of a user's device, a user's device hears, a risk calculation can be done on that user's behalf, i.e. to function as one expects from an exposure notification app. An entity that collects logs can also associate it to the user's identity. Any app, including pre-installed ones, can have permissions to get the email or phone number of a device, but there are, other there are other persistent identifiers that can be accessed as well. Not only that, but when the phone boots up, the user set device name also gets printed to the system log, along with the real Bluetooth MAC address, not the randomized one. For example, this, uh, this gets printed on one of my devices, and then there's a, a, a figure. Moreover, there may be more direct indicators about a user's health, health status that are logged. If there are no exposures detected, there is an all-clear message that is printed, sending exposure status update with no new exposures to client. While we didn't have any exposures that would trigger the opposite behavior, looking at Google's implementation of GAEN indicates that a different message would be printed were the user at risk. Even if no message gets printed in this case, the absence of an all clear is indicative in itself. This further indicates that the user is aware that they are at risk of being contagious to others. Collecting social graphs. An entity that reads many users' logs can further de-anonymize the RPIs that other users' devices hear, provided those RPIs appear in multiple logs. That is, if an entity knows both Alice and Bob's RPIs, they can recognize that Bob heard one of Alice's RPIs, which allows them to learn that Alice and Bob were at the same place at a specific time. This social graph information becomes richer the more users contribute their data. Even if the entity cannot de-anonymize a particular RPI, simply knowing that Alice and Bob heard the same RPI at the same time helps build this social graph. 
The linking of MAC addresses to RPIs creates more problems. First, some context. MAC addresses are fixed serial numbers for networking hardware that are used in low-level communication, but for mobile phones, they are now periodically randomized to a new unlinkable value. MAC addresses must be broadcast when using Bluetooth. It's simply how low-level networking works. So randomizing it prevents someone from being tracked because they broadcast the same MAC address everywhere they go. In the context of GAEN, both the MAC address and the RPI change in tandem. Inferring location trails. Given that MAC addresses are random, storing them alongside the RPI may seem superficially harmless. Linking these two values, however, is problematic because the Bluetooth MAC address is used in other contexts. For example, there are databases that link Bluetooth MAC addresses to the physical location they were observed. Weigel is a public service that offers this based on a volunteer effort, and both Facebook and Instagram are apps with more than a billion installations and have privacy policies stating that they are collecting exactly this information. Such gathered information is trivially, trivially associated with a persistent identifier for a particular device. The next figure shows the two data collectors. The left is the Bluetooth MAC address to location database that is already being curated. The right is what can be learned by any app that uploads a user system log. And then there again are, uh, are some examples here. An entity that collects users' logs can run the RPI they hear into the corresponding MAC, turn the RPI they hear into the corresponding MAC address. With access to existing databases, they can turn the MAC address into a geolocation. This allows them to learn a location history of a user based on geolocating the RPIs they hear. If a user links their RPIs by publishing their tech, i.e. they report a positive test and upload their data, then they reveal their location history whenever they broadcast their RPI to an Android device nearby that uploads their logs. That is, iPhone users are just as much at risk of this occurring because the necessary data collection occurs entirely by other devices. The next figure shows the result of a hypothetical database to join the previous figure, which links location to RPI through MAC address and RPI to broadcaster or observer in the context of a social graph. And then again, there is a figure. Responsible Disclosure and Remediation We responsibly disclosed this issue to Google on February 19th, 2021. As of this writing, how February 19th, it's fucking May 1st right now, and this article came out a couple days ago. As of this writing, however, it remains unresolved. As more than 60 days have elapsed, we are following Google's recommendation that researchers publish, publish their findings about the vulnerability. Even if a patch were released to stop this logging, however, log data may have already been uploaded. Yeah, no shit. It is crucial that any entity that has collected system log data from Android devices sanitize any entry containing contact tracing data and that this necessary, unnecessary logging be stopped as soon as possible. To reiterate our initial point, this is an implementation issue and not a fundamental problem with the underlying framework. After Google rejected our bug bounty submission and failed to fully acknowledge or fix the issue, we had a long debate about the ethics of making this public. Ultimately, we felt that making this public is not putting consumers any more at risk and will hopefully lead to a fix, accountability, and improved privacy protections for consumers. To be absolutely clear, this is a fixable problem in the implementation and should absolutely not be used by charlatans and opportunists to further undermine public health efforts. Wear a mask and get vaccinated. It actually fucking says that at the end of the article. Okay, well, eat shit on that one, but thanks for being, uh, thanks for being up front. <sighs> charlatans to undermine public... You know, public health and allowing Google to fucking spy on every goddamn fucking ass thing that we do and then hand that over to who the fuck ever and that's a whole that's a whole other public health issue it's it's a, like a, a public mental fucking health issue it's ridiculous time for another fucking song this is jabraham lincoln microaggression
All right, that was J. Abraham Lincoln with microaggression. Thank you for listening. I'm going to keep this uh, keep this short just so I can get it done and get it out. It's been a long time coming. Uh, again, I am Ratchet, and this is the After Dark Dispatch. Uh, if you want to listen to some free tunes 24 hours a day, seven days a week, check out OzarksAfterDark.com. And if you want to hit this podcast up, uh, it's OzarksAfterDark.com slash ADD. And you can email me at ratchet at OzarksAfterDark.com. I'm going to put one more track in here. This is ECT Snowblind, just to celebrate the end of winter.
All you guys think about is dope.